It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 825 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, November the 13th. It's spooky Friday the 13th. Uh, I'm not sure what the hell that was, but welcome to today's show. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing not only Locked On Raptors, but all of the wonderful offerings from the Locked On Podcast Network on your favorite podcast providers. Right now, Locked On NBA has our mock draft going on. It's day three today on Friday. It is awesome. It's really well done. It's really well put together. I've seen the audition like uh, project that our uh, producer extraordinaire Doug Branson had in front of him as he was putting this show together. It is elaborate and features wonderful, wonderful insights from not only our local hosts making the picks, but also Chad Ford, Jeremy Wu, as well as uh, John Hollinger on that podcast. So go check it out. It's a big deal. And uh, I'll be up on Tuesday with the Raptors pick at number 29. All right. On today's show, you heard the guest snickering at my very stupid opening. Uh, and he's one of our faves. He's here uh, every week. It's Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not that much. This is about as perky a morning as I've had in the pandemic seeing how we had Jamal Malalela on a Zoom chat, Raptors 905 head coach. And for those who don't know, he is about as the most positive, upbeat person you will ever meet. So uh-huh. 15, 20 minutes with him to start this morning off. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go. Jama should just like do like a live stream of him just talking into the mirror in the morning. I'm sure that would brighten everybody's <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> uh, one really of the last is. people I interviewed as well before everything went to shit, I talked to him uh, on the day of a Raptors 905 game. It was the last live event I covered before everything shut down. It was like March 7th, and I was like, hey, this is normal. Everything's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> idiot. Uh, anyway... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, on today's show, we might dive into a little bit of what Jama was talking about in our second segment, is we're going to kind of dive into the Raptors draft philosophy a little bit, what we think the Raptors should do with picks 29 and 59 in next week's NBA draft on Wednesday. Uh, we're also going to dive in the final segment into the potential of the Toronto Raptors raising a Southeast Division banner one day as the champions of the Southeast in 2020-2021, uh, as apparently they might be playing in Tampa, and we might see a switch of who's in what division. That'll be interesting. We'll get into that and dive into uh, the sort of mechanics of that and also the joy of playing the Orlando Magic a dozen times. Yay. Uh, so that'll be in the final segment. But first, I want to get into some predictions, Vivek, for the next week or so. 
The Raptors have a lot, obviously, to figure out between now and the start of free agency or the, you know, the few days of free agency before training camp starts. It's going to be hectic. It's going to be fast and hot and heavy and all that stuff, especially once the trade moratorium is uh, ended, I believe, on Monday. So we're about to get crazy here. I wanted to, before things get wild, Big V, kind of take a look at the next week and kind of... I don't know, place our money a little bit as to where we think things might lead with the Raptors. We've talked about Fred Van Vliet on basically every show this week. Yesterday, go listen if you have not yet when I talked to the hosts of Locked On Hawks, Knicks, and Suns about the potential of those teams signing Fred. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of fretted out, but... Now with all of the talk and all of the dis- the discourse and all of the JJ Reddick podcast quote aggregation out of the way, I think it's time to make some predictions as to what we think is going to happen with the main free agent pieces on the Raptors. Let's start with Fred Van Vliet, Vivek. A week from today, or you know, twelve days from today, whatever it is, what do you think we'll be talking about as it relates to Fred Van Vliet? Will he still be a Toronto Raptor? Will he be on a long term deal, a short term deal? Will he be playing for the Knicks or the Hawks? What do you think is the most likely outcome here with Fred, given all the discourse over the last couple of weeks? I think Fred Van Vliet is going to remain a Raptor. I think we'll be talking about his long-term extension and how that impacts potential signings in 2021. And we'll be talking about how him and Siakam are going to have the keys to the franchise going forward. And so, yeah, I, I think Bobby Webster has spoken about this in the recent past where they have made clear that Fred Van Vliet is a major priority. Masai has made it clear that he is a major priority as are Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall. I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute, but with Fred Van Vliet, I think the money is going to be where he would want it to be. And when you factor everything else that Toronto has to offer compared to some of these other teams with the culture that's been established, the chemistry he's established with his teammates, I, I, I think it's, a pretty certain deal that Fred Van Vliet is going to be wearing a Raptors uniform for some time to come. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it too. I talked about it yesterday. I talked about it all week, basically, that you know the market is transpiring in a way that it seems like it's going the Raptors' way. The cap increase next year of 3% at minimum is going to help the Raptors thread the needle a little bit better as well. As our friend Daniel Hackett pointed out in his piece for Raptors HQ that I plugged earlier in the week, you know, the... the the Raptors have a little bit more money to work with now because of the cap increase up to like 23 and a half million. If they really want to, if they really don't want to walk away, say the offers get to 22 or something and they have to one up it. I don't think they'll hesitate because it's better to keep the player for a couple extra million than you would like to pay than to lose them altogether. And so I don't think there are that many inhibitors to the Raptors keeping around, barring some team coming in with a $25 million a year plus offer, which as we talked about yesterday, I don't think is going to happen. I also think maybe this is reading too much into it. Just one thing I'll add to what you said. It's it's better to, you know, maintain the player. And and then, you know, if you miss out on Fred Van Vliet trying to keep the cap space for 2021 and you strike out in free agency then, now you've got a real problem on your hands, right? So I think you take the certain deal that's in front of you right now. That's a very good point. You can always move Norm Powell if you need to, or maybe Norm Powell opts out and it's not even an issue. Like there, there's a lot of different things you can do a year from now, as opposed to, you know, being too worried about threading that needle right now. And I also think, again, I don't want to read too much into things, but I do wonder if the fact that there's a lot of the noise about the Hawks and potentially Drew Holiday, maybe even Russell Westbrook is a team for the Hawks. And then also with the Suns and Chris Paul, 
if these teams are already rooting around other point guards who are going to be difficult to trade for because of how big their contracts are, I wonder if they've already kind of gotten the hint that maybe Fred is bound to come back to Toronto. That's probably reading too much into it, but I think it's worth noting that those teams don't seem to be sitting idly by waiting for Fred Van Vliet to come to the table and accept one of their offers. So I, I think Raptors fans, they've been very, uh, you know... <laughs> anxious all week every quote from that JJ Reddick podcast was overanalyzed to uh, far too many degrees I do think people should probably chill a little bit uh, as we've talked about here I think it's pretty likely he's coming back Serge Ibaka though Big V he's uh, he's a bit more of a question mark there have been some rumors over the last couple days that the Houston Rockets the LA Lakers the Brooklyn Nets teams that could all use a very good you know pseudo starting center slash backup slash stretch five slash rim protector uh, are unsurprisingly interested in Serge Ibaka all of these teams would have to sign him to a multi-year mid-level exception contract they don't have the cap space to offer him anything more than the mid-level which I believe is like eight or nine million and you have the Raptors sitting there still with the opportunity to give him a one-year balloon deal that can kind of compensate for some of the money he would you know in theory would make on a long-term deal somewhere else if there were more cap space obviously that's not going to be out there if you can get a one-year 20 million dollar year from the raptors and go into it next year kind of fresh into the free agent market where he can continue to you know seek a long-term deal that seems like a pretty good route to me are you at all concerned about these contenders sniffing around with serge Ibaka? what do you think is the most likely outcome for serge over the next 10 days or so I think the most likely outcome is that Serge also resigns with the Raptors. Uh, and I say that because I think with Serge, I could see Masai sort of having that type of wink wink saying, hey, you know what we're trying to do in 2021. If you can give us this one year of flexibility where, you know, we'll, we'll give you a balloon payment and then we'll take care of you next year. I, I think Serge would be open to that. I think. He's built a great reputation in the city and the organization. He's become an extremely dependable veteran and leader in the locker room. And I think those things mean a tremendous deal to the Raptors. And so I think they will pay him commensurate to all those uh, tangibles and intangibles that he brings to the table. With the other teams and what they offer, yeah, I, I, I think... Kevin Durant is probably texting him every day saying, Hey, Brooklyn's <laughs> going to be fun. And, uh, you know, with the Lakers and those other teams, they're always going to be in the conversation. But I think with the Raptors, with where his career is right now, I wouldn't be surprised if he feels, you know, he, he he's not even looking at it as, hey, I just want to win another ring. I think he, his attachment with Toronto is to the point where I want to win another ring in Toronto. And right. so, yeah, I, th I think, you know, the stars will align and the Raptors will be able to figure out a way to keep him in Toronto. Now, the question I have for you is, yeah, if the Raptors were to ink, like, like say he's not open to that one-year deal, even if it is a balloon payment, is there a long-term mm -hmm. deal that can be made? That's tough because, you know, you still have that 2021. And, like, I think Fred is, like, almost certainly a piece that you want if you're able to land Giannis. Like, that's almost certainly a guy you want around. I mean, he's uh, that's the thing, Surge, right? Both of these guys, yeah. you would think, in when you go into these 2021 negotiations, would be selling points yeah. in the negotiations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
I think Serge less than Fred a little yes, bit. Yes, definitely. I also think because I think if you have Giannis, I mean, you're probably getting pretty creative with who you're playing at center yeah. anyway, right? Because you have Pascal and OG, so maybe Serge is less of a necessity and he's more of a luxury off the bench. But that's kind of what he's been for the last couple of years, and he's been really damn good mm-hmm. at it. So uh, it is certainly a selling point. I, I do wonder if maybe they could sort of do like a little winky thing with Serge Ibaka, legal or not, where it's like, we give you the one-year balloon payment this year, but that's with the understanding that we'll give you the mid-level or something in the the subsequent three years or yeah. something. And so he is sort of looking at the the grand scheme of things, and obviously they have to order their signings and whatnot, but they'd, ha- they'd have his bird ride still if they wanted to keep him around as a backup center beyond next year. And maybe Serge realizes that the way to stay in Toronto long term is to take that one year deal with that a little bit of uncertainty, but also the big one year payment and then sort of refigure things as he's going into the the tail part of his career. And if you sort of do the math on it, if he signs a four year deal on the mid-level for some other team, he'll make like $36 million. If he signs a one year deal with the Raptors and then like a three year mid-level deal, He's looking at something north of $50 million. So I, I wonder if he'll sort of do that calculus in his head. And I wonder if the Raptors will kind of give him that little handshake agreement. Because I wouldn't mind it. Serge Ibaka rules. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether he's declining or not, which there's no signs of that right now. But even if he is, he's still a wonderful guy to have around. And if you can order your operations in, in a way that you can keep Serge beyond next year and then also you know get Giannis, I think that is the way to go. So I don't really see a multi-year deal right now just because it does make things more difficult next year. You would almost certainly have to get rid of Norm. You almost certainly hope you can get Fred on the cheap, which I don't think you're going to get as he says he's very much said he's not he's going to get paid regardless. And so I don't see a multi-year deal for Surge right now. Um quickly before we get to the draft philosophy part of this Vivek do you have any other predictions for the next week or so whether it's Marc Gasol Chris Boucher some other signing the Raptors might make in the next 10 days any sort of uh, things you want to slap a couple bucks down on happening well I keep telling myself that I think Marc Gasol is going to surprise all of us and be back on a one-year deal and you know there's Mm -hmm. been all this stuff about uh him playing for Barcelona and that hasn't panned out. Right. And and they're playing. So I I don't think uh, that's in play now. He might take a year off entirely. That's feasible. And then sort of just see where things are for the 2021, 22 season. But yeah, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like there's a small chance that the Raptors being the most drama less franchise in the NBA just end up, running it back once again (laughs) yeah i think it's yeah i've been kind of talking myself into this a little bit and maybe gasol coming back in my farewell marcus Gasol episode from a couple months ago being utterly outdated uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah we haven't heard anything like it's just it's so unclear and maybe there's some team out there that can offer a bit more stability in terms of like where they'll be playing this year maybe the grizzlies come around for a nice uh reuniting return situation and they give him a one-year sort of uh, mid-level deal or something like that to, to have him back in Memphis to help school the young guys. I don't know, but yeah, with the lack of clarity on the Barcelona thing and with the European seasons already starting, I do think that looks less likely, and that kind of leaves the Raptors at least in the running to keep him if he's going to play in the NBA. I'd say it's probably like 50-50 maybe or 40-60 in favor of him not being with the team, but 
Um, I, I would not be surprised at this point, considering the lack of word on it, and I would be very happy if that were the case, because Marcus Gasol is the freaking best, even if he is 36 years old and maybe not the same player anymore. Uh, I'm very much on record. I just want to root for a team that I like, and having Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka and Fred Van Vliet on that team makes that a lot more likely. All right, Big V, we're going to get into some draft philosophy stuff in just a second there. Apologies for the slightly heavy first segment in terms of just runtime, but that's okay because there's a lot to get into and it's uh, the free agency questions are uh, bound everywhere. Uh, but on the other side, we're going to dive into, through the lens of a couple of listener questions, into sort of how the Raptors should be approaching the draft on Wednesday, especially that 29th pick and the sort of player that they should be targeting whether it's a flyer you know high upside guy low floor high floor whatever it might be we'll get to that in just a sec but first i want to tell people about built bar which is the best tasting protein bar you're ever going to try they have six new flavors right now caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry bar sea lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp all of which are very very good joining their lineup of original 12 flavors including my favorite toffee almond as well as other banger flavors like mint brownie and banana bread uh, bars are covered in 100% chocolate, they're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for keto diets as well. And they're also great when you want to go work out without a full stomach. I hate working out after a meal. I feel lethargic. I feel terrible. I feel like my guts are going to fall out. And Built Bar is a great antidote to that. I'm going to go for a bike ride later this afternoon. I'm going to munch a Built Bar before I go. And I'm going to be energized. I'm going to be full. And I'm not going to feel like I'm going to fall off my bike sideways like I'm Humpty Dumpty. So Built Bars are great for that. You're also right now when you go to BuiltBar.com, we're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get 20% off your next order as well as that free cooler. That's the promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, draft philosophy. The question came in from our wonderful listener, Rob Senta. He asks, in the upcoming draft, would you rather see the Raptors choose a high floor but low ceiling player or take a bigger risk on a high ceiling player? Would your answer be the same for each round? Um, this also goes in line with a question from uh, at From Tape to Tape who asks, if the Raptors draft Xavier Tillman, do you think he takes on Boucher's minutes from last year? Xavier Tillman, everybody knows, is the guy I want the Raptors to take. Uh, spoiler alert, he's the guy I take in the NBA mock draft at 29 for next week, so you can listen into my reasoning there. Um, but And he kind of represents that sort of low ceiling, high floor type of player. I wonder, Vivek, how do you sort of view that 29th pick? You know, I think there are a lot of reasons why Tillman is kind of the guy I'm leaning towards, you know, but, you know, I'm also wrong about things all the time. What do you think the 29th pick strategy should be for the Raptors? Is it, you know, upside flyer? Is it low guy, low, low ceiling guy who can play right away? Maybe a multi-year college guy? What do you think? So there's a couple of ways that I look at this specifically for the Raptors, and I do lean towards the high floor guy, but I would say that because the Raptors are who they are, I don't look at the high floor guy as the low ceiling guy. I feel like right. the Raptors 
take these players who have high floors because they say, okay, these are parts of their game that are established and that we can depend on. And now these are the certain skills that we need to accentuate, that we need to really prop up. And they're able to do that successfully. So I think I lean towards the high floor guy. And even when I'm thinking down the line, if the Raptors are able to make a big splash in free agency in 2021, I think you want as many ready contributors as possible in terms of options for the roster, in terms of, you know, looking to make bigger moves from there, or even just, you know, in a playoff scenario, you want to have guys that are ready. And so again, uh, you know, whether, whether it's the first round, the second round, I'm looking for that guy who can contribute right away because the Raptors know how to develop those players. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that for sure. I think the point about 2021 and planning for that is a really, really well taken one in that, you know, having as many cheap, cost controlled, effective players on the roster as possible when you have the the top end of your payroll being eaten up by, you know, three players once I'm assuming OG gets a pretty fat extension, you know, and once Fred as well hopefully gets signed, like you're going to have a lot of money tied up into four or five players up at the top. And you're going to need those cheap guys on rookie deals. You know, that's why I don't think they're going to trade this pick. If anything, they could maybe trade up, but I also don't see them really doing that because they are pretty good at, you know, getting those late first rounders and, and turning them into something. Um, you can't bank on that, obviously. The draft is a crapshoot, but the Raptors seem to have geared the dice a little bit in their favor more than other teams have late in the draft. And so I don't think they're going to trade up, but I do think that this pick is important to them because they want an extra piece in their development system, which they haven't had for a couple years now outside of like like undrafted sort of low heralded guys they haven't had a first round pick since og in 2017 and also i think what's important here is to note that the g league might not happen this year we have no idea what the g league is going to look like it could be a condensed season it could really sort of hamper the development time for guys and i don't know if this year is the year to go in on a guy who's going to need that g league seasoning right that's because a really good point it might not be there you might have the guy just sitting on the bench kind of like dewan hernandez did last year through injury of course but you know having a guy who just sits there and doesn't get that seasoning he needs playing for a good team that probably isn't going to want to you know entrust a lot of minutes to uh, a guy who's pretty raw I really think you could sort of set yourself up to potentially screw yourself when it comes to that development and really set yourself back. Whereas if you get a guy like Xavier Tillman or someone like Malachi Flynn, someone who's played a lot of years in college and who seems ready, has an NBA-ready body, who does things on a high level like run, pick, and roll or you know defend at the back line and, and switch out and pass from the elbows. like These are advanced skills that a lot of raw, high-upside flyer guys don't tend to have. And if you, those guys can infuse those skills into next year's team and sort of set themselves up to be part of the crew in 2021, I think that's a far better use of your, your resources in the draft. And also, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. It's a shame that free agency doesn't happen before the draft because we'd have some clarity on the big man spot. But if we assume that it's only 50-50 at best that Marcus Gasol is back and Serge Ibaka still has these teams creeping around... You know, you're going to want someone who can play big man minutes right away, which, again, is kind of why I lean Tillman, but there are other options in there as well. Do you have a particular, like, player that you like, Vivek? I'm not sure how much of a draft Nick you are, but do you have uh, someone who you've looked at at 29 who you think the Raptors should go for? Yeah, I've kind of been playing catch-up the last week. I haven't been huge uh, into focusing on, in on the draft, but obviously now that it's coming up, I've tried to look at some guys. I think Tillman's a good option. 
I, I like uh, Teo Maladin. And I think he's, again, in that mold of someone who maybe doesn't have standout skills, but, but also mm-hmm. has a high floor and, you know, doesn't have glaring weaknesses. And again, at the guard position, maybe you want some depth there going forward. He's just 19 years old, so there is room to develop his game. And I think with his EuroLeague experience, he's another guy that would be more ready than you would expect from a 19-year-old. And so he's uh, a guy I like and wouldn't mind seeing in a Raptors uniform. I think he would be very high on Herbie Kuhn's draft board because I think we'd get the whole Teo Maladon. Uh, And so... So, yeah, I, I, I think he'd be a pretty good fit for the Raptors. Yeah, he's the other guy. I don't think he's going to fall that far, unfortunately. Fair, fair. It seems like he's probably a little closer to the top end of the 20s. But if he does, yeah, he's certainly, uh, you know, he's not a five foot eleven point guard. So I'm not sure how much the Raptors would want to go in on that, as our friend Robel pointed out a couple weeks back when he was on. But, um, you know, it, it would be nice. Get that DeLon Wright energy in there again. Six five point guard. Hell yeah. We love them around these parts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on the other side, Big V, we will leave the draft strategy discussion behind and we will dive into a, a, a recent development in terms of the search of where the Raptors are going to play next season. It seems like Canada is uh, very much out of the question considering, uh, boy, things suck up here right now. Uh, and so it looks like the states are going to be, not that the states are doing any better, but the states seem to care less. And obviously the border issue is, is very much in play. And it seems like Tampa Bay might be the place where the Raptors end up playing their games this coming season. And with that, might result in a temporary divisional realignment we will dive into what that could mean for the raptors in just a second but first a reminder to make sure you're checking out locked on nba every single day leading up to the draft and free agency uh lots of great coverage in addition to the uh draft mock draft episodes that are going on over the next few days so go subscribe to locked on nba right now the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, let's wrap this up and talk about the Southeast Division future champion Toronto Raptors, baby. Uh, (laughs) This came out yesterday. Uh, It seems like Tampa Bay is the leader in terms of potential locations for the Raptors. I get it, I suppose. It's close to the Florida teams. It's close to Charlotte and Georgia and all that stuff. You know, if you're going to lean it Eastern Conference heavy, I suppose it's as central a location as you can get in the South. Um, Still makes less sense than Newark, New Jersey, but I guess the players have some say in this, and they should, and the players seem to want to go to Florida. I'll never understand wanting to go to Florida, but uh, you got golf, you got warm weather. I could see the appeal, I suppose as long as they're being safe and sort of bubbling themselves away from the rest of society down there. Uh, But the report is that potentially if the Raptors play in Tampa, this could lead to a temporary divisional realignment where we would see the Raptors move to the Southeast division for the year and the Washington Wizards, who are obviously much closer to Philadelphia and New York, uh, potentially move to the Atlantic division for the year. 
What, what was your reaction to this, Big V? Are you excited to watch the Raptors play the Magic and the Hawks 12 times, potentially? Are you excited for the Raptors and Heat to duke it out for a division title? Or does it bum you out a little bit because the Atlantic Division was supposed to be so damn fun this year? Yeah, it does bum me out a little bit. I think, I mean, the reality of the situation is what it is. And so if the Raptors have to be in Tampa, then they have to be in Tampa. And if realigning the divisions you know, makes the most sense logistically to get the games completed, then that's what you do. But as far as the schedule is concerned, I'm a big guy on, you know, maximizing the competition and getting, I, I honestly believe that helps you going into the postseason. And so to have the competition level down, uh, I don't think that that's going to be a huge benefit for the Raptors. And, you know, especially Siakam coming off that, that bubbles, uh, you know, situation. I, I want to see him going up against the best as as often as possible. And now, if this does indeed happen, that's not going to be the case. Yep, plenty of Miami though, so at least that'll be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those will be very, very intense games. I'm sure it'll be the conference finals that should have happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter. It's fine. Um, and you know, I mean, the the bright side, I suppose, is that even with the shortened season, the Raptors' fifty game streak might, uh, fifty win streak might continue as they'll get to beat up on the Hornets and the Hawks and the Magic a whole bunch over the course of the season. So, good on them for that. Um, Always take and, the and over. Like in terms of, and if there was ever a year yes. to take the over, <laughs> if if they 100%. realign these divisions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you get an up close and personal look at the depressing ass Hornets with Russell Westbrook. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be, look, the, the benefit to it is seating, right? And obviously home court probably won't mean much for the Raptors this year, unless, you know, you get into May and June and maybe there's a vaccine or rapid testing's perfected and things are looking a little bit better than they are right now. And maybe they can return to Toronto, which I'm sure is the ideal situation for everybody involved by the end of the season. Uh, and then in which case, maybe the home court does matter, but if you are playing in the Southeast and not in the Atlantic, assuming there's a heavy divisional lean to the schedule, that will certainly help the Raptors. Like, I was pretty ready to pencil in the Heat and the Bucks as the easy 1-2 seed just because they were going to get to beat up on dog crap teams all season long, while the Atlantic just, like, you know, punched each other and played mean-ass rock-paper-scissors with each other the entire season. Um, so if you're looking at that and sort of setting yourself up for the playoffs in terms of the bracket, that might be a positive, but also... Like you said, preparing yourself for the postseason against good teams is also quite valuable as well. And we've seen Raptors teams in the past who maybe there were some signs from their performance against very good teams that suggested the playoffs were not going to go so well. We might not get that sort of data sample and that sort of predictiveness that we typically would if they are playing against the dog crap Southeast Division all season long. Although they won't have to play the Wizards as much, I suppose, which is a lot of easy wins as well. Um, any other thoughts on this whole where are they going to play thing? It seems it's kind of an uninteresting conversation because it's all hypotheticals at this point, but um, any lingering thoughts on, on any of this? Well, just one last thing I'll add is I do think there is an outside possibility that again, while it's in, you know, overwhelmingly likely that the Raptors will start out in the United States. I do mm -hmm. think because of how adamant Masai and the organization is about playing in Toronto, I think there might be a scenario where you get to the all-star break and now you've got a bit of a break in the schedule where you're able to look and say, okay, the situation's changed. Things are easier now, you know, whatever the situation looks like then, I think that might open up the possibility where at the all-star break, you're able to shift back to Toronto. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, not only because that would be good for the Raptors players to play where they're comfortable, but also because uh, that would mean the virus is more under control, which, I mean, seems impossible right now, but here's hoping. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, yeah, I, I would bet on by the end of this season, we will have at least one game played in Toronto. Let's put it that way. The over-under, if you set it at 0.5, I will say the over. Maybe that's the optimistic look outlook at it, but... The season is long, and it goes into June and July, and there are already positive vaccine signs coming out, it seems. So um, I'm choosing to not wallow in doom and uh, be optimistic about it. Uh, Big V, it's hard not to be optimistic when talking to you, man. Uh, fresh off a Jabba Malalela presser, and always you bring light to the podcast. So thank you for coming on today, buddy. Uh, anything that you have that you would like to plug? Oh, Thanks again for having me. This is always a fun time. Uh, thanks to plug. You can look out for my regular stuff at Complex and Raptors Republic. And besides that, it's a break in the soccer schedule with the domestic leagues, international soccer is on, which means it's a good time for any footy fans, any Manchester United fans to catch up on the podcast. I've started with my friend Carl. It's called Red Couch Manx. That's M-A-N-C-S. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple. Uh, yeah, give it a listen. If you like it, tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review. All those things are good. And yeah, I think that's about it. Awesome, man. It's always great talking to you. Uh, as far as I go, you can follow me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Go listen to uh, Basketball, my podcast with Katie Heindel. Did an episode yesterday where we drafted mascots ahead of the NBA draft in honor of the NBA draft. And of course, King K Baby makes an appearance, my, my boo. So go listen to that. It's a lot of fun. We also have a Patreon page if you want to subscribe to patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. Four bucks gets you in, and we're almost at mailbag episode time, so that'll be a lot of fun if you get on in there. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. On Monday, look, I'm not going to make any promises about Monday because who the hell knows what's going to happen this weekend. Trade season's about to start. The draft is getting closer. There are rumors flying around like crazy. I'm sure Monday's content will present itself to us over the course of the weekend. So I will just leave it at that in terms of the tease of what's coming up to start next week. We, of course, will cover the draft in depth all next week and lead into free agency, which begins 6 p.m. next Friday, which is crazy. And it's all very too fast and I'm sleepy already, but it'll be a lot of fun and you can keep it locked here on the podcast to get all of the Raptors goods that you need over the course of the next couple weeks. That'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Now go check out the Locked On NBA Mock Draft. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.